If you would, please, out of respect to scriptures, let's stand. I'm going to give the reference, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, and then I want you to read out loud these two verses with me. All right? And we'll do the best we can to stay together, but if we don't, it won't be the end of the world. All right, here we go. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Wherefore, seeing we also are about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Dear Father, you've given us your word, and you've instructed us through it. Help us to hear it and see it today, and then help us to remember it, so that as we leave, we can leave in light of what you have said. And we pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. You may be seated. Well, we're about to embark on the fall break, and that's a wonderful thing. And I know you're excited about it, and I'm not going to speak for a long time this morning, but I would like to ask you to listen while I'm speaking and think through some of the things we see. Now, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 are well known, and probably all of us have taught or have heard messages or lessons on Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. For example, the witnesses here are people who speak, not people who see. Sometimes we think of witnesses. He witnessed something, and so because of eyewitness news, we often think of what people see. But this is talking about the people in Hebrews chapter 11 who witness, speak to us about their faith. And so the word witness is very important. And of course, you know uh, that we have the sin that doth so easily beset us and the weights that we are to set aside. And you know that weights are not necessarily essentially or intrinsically evil things or sinful things. They're just things that keep us from running efficiently the race that God has set before us. The sin here is the specific sin of faithlessness. Hebrews chapter 11 is about faith. Hebrews chapter 12 starts out by saying, Now look, we've had these witnesses to us of faith. Now we need to set aside the weights that would easily beset us, and we need to set aside the sin of faithlessness. Now sometimes people say, I have a besetting sin. My besetting sin is I'm lazy, or my besetting sin is I eat too much, or my besetting sin is I, I get back at people. Well, you may feel that way, but this is a specific sin in Hebrews chapter 12, and it's talking about the sin of faithlessness, not trusting God. But I want you to hone in on one word this morning, and it is the word patience. Now, we are told that the Lord Jesus endured the cross. And that word has a meaning, endured, that's much like the word patience. The word patience has to do with endurance. In other words, it needs to keep on keeping on. You have a race 
that God has given to you, you need to run that race. You're not racing against me. You're not racing against Dr. Bill. Uh, God has given you a specific race, and that is the race that you are to run. And you need to be patient in that race. In other words, you need to keep at it. All of us do. Now, when we talk about people who keep at it or who have kept at it, we often think of old people. So a guy comes in uh, to chapel, and he's 65 years old. That's, that's old enough, isn't it? That's pretty old. 65 is almost ancient, is it not? All right, so he comes in. He's 65, and uh, uh, he's been serving on a mission field for 44 years. And we say of this man, he has been faithful. He has stood by the stuff. He has endured He has kept on keeping on. And we should all aspire when we're old codgers to keep on keeping on like this guy with white hair. All right, that's fine, except that's not what keeping on means. Now, if you keep on long enough, you'll be old at it. That's true. But you need to keep on when you're 18 as well. For example, if a guy's 95 and he's still breathing, that's a great deal, isn't it? (laughs) All right, so we say, wow, this guy's been breathing all of his life. Well, if you're 18, you've been breathing all your life, haven't you? And it is equally important for you to keep on breathing as it is for him to keep on breathing. Uh, He won't have to keep at it as long as you will, but... The point, the, the point is that staying at it or keeping at it or not giving up or keeping on is for all of us. See, it, it's not that you want to say, when I'm old, I can look back and say, I kept at it. No, no. It's that you should say, when I am my age, I should be able to say, I have Kept at it. So young people, keep at it. See, we're going to have break this week, and I think that's wonderful. And you finished exams, and that's wonderfuler. That's, that's just great. That's all great. But the deal is, there's a reason you're here at Ambassador, and there's a reason that you have chapels, and there's a reason that you study the Bible, and it's that you and I serve God. That's the reason for all of this. So the deal is, keep at it. You may be going home. You may be chilling here at the school. You may be going with a friend, whatever. Be sure that you keep at your race. Now, there are several things we could mention this morning topically that you and I ought keep at. Let me mention three that are referenced in the text. All right. Number one, Calvary or the cross. Now, I know this seems almost simplistic, but young people, when you go home this week or when you go to be with a friend this week or when you stay here at the college this week, don't forget the cross. It's what this is all about. You you need to go home remembering the cross, remembering that Christ died for our sins. The reason I'm born again, the reason I'm on my way to heaven, the reason my sins have been forgiven is that Christ died for me on the cross. It was no easy death. 
He endured that death, despising the shame, but he did so joyfully because he died in my place for my sins. He died in your place for your sins. Now listen to me. You and I need to let people know about the cross. So set in your mind, all right, I'm going to be gone from ambassador for a few days. And um, being gone from ambassador, I need to look for opportunities to give out the gospel. Can I make two suggestions? Okay, number one, take tracks. You got tracks here, don't you? You have tracks from your church. Take some tracks with you. And I would take a number. And, I, and don't take like 5,000. Uh, but, but take, uh, let me just throw a number out, 35 tracks. And determine with God's help that you're going to give those tracks out to people while you're gone this next week. Number two, why not say, dear Lord, bring somebody to me that's hungry who would be among those of which Jesus said, the fields are white unto harvest. Let me, let me explain the gospel to somebody this week. Now look, you, you young people do that anyway. You do it on weekends. You, you give the gospel. I don't know that everybody in this chapel does, but a great majority of young people in this chapel have this semester sat down with somebody and explained to them how to be saved. Don't give up on that this week. It's what we're all about. I don't care what you are. By the way, nobody appreciates more what Dr. Beale said about the evangelist than I do this morning. There's nothing that we need like evangelists. If you don't have people hear the gospel and be saved, you don't have, forgive my English, nothing. We need people to win people to Christ. Now, you may not be an evangelist, but you can speak the gospel, which is what an evangelist does. So determine by the grace of God that you're going to point people to Christ while you're in break. I'm going in on a break, but I want to let people know how to be saved. And by the way, if you feel foggy about how to let people know, take that track, read it, and memorize it. And I don't mean memorize it word for word, but memorize the points, and then Try to recite them on your own without looking at the track. Give that to people and then give them the track. Give out the gospel. Now, you hear me. If students at Ambassador Baptist College do not witness, I asked you what student from what Christian school would. If you don't witness, then you should know basically nobody will be witnessing. Now, that's not to say that we're the only people that have the gospel or the only people that give the gospel. But you are in a school that is dedicated to the business of preaching the gospel. Be part of it. So when you go home, don't forget Calvary. Number two, when you go home or with a friend or stay here and chill wherever, don't forget the Christ of Calvary. In this passage... It refers us to the truth that Christ died. It tells us, though, it was shameful. He endured the cross, and he did so joyfully. Christ died for us. The Bible says that when the sixth hour was come, there was darkness over the whole land. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is being interpreted, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? 
And some of them that stood by when they heard it said, Behold, he calleth Elias. And one ran and filled a sponge full of vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink, saying, Let alone, let us see whether Elias will come. And the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And when the centurion which stood over against him saw that he so cried out and gave up the ghost, he said, Truly this man was the Son of God. And that he was, and that he is. He's the Christ of Calvary. Now, suppose I said to you, when you leave for your fall break, don't embarrass Ambassador Baptist. Would that be legitimate? In other words, could I appeal to you on the basis of your student here, don't embarrass the school. Live like you are a student at Ambassador. Would that make sense? Okay, if I said, when you go home, don't embarrass your church or your pastor. That would make sense, wouldn't it? You're a member of the church. You've been born again. You're, you're in this church. You work in the church. Don't, don't embarrass the church. Come on. Stand up for what the church stands for. If I said to you, when you go home, don't embarrass your family. Now look, even if there are members in your family that don't know the Lord, you do and they know that you do. So if I said, when you go home, don't embarrass your family, uh, that would make sense, wouldn't it? Okay, but all of that pales into insignificance if I say, do not. Embarrass the Lord Jesus. This is not just about the cross. It's about the one who went to the cross. You know, when I was a kid, when I was a boy, my dad used to say something to me that I've said to Will, and Will has said to my grandsons, who are now grown. uh, My dad used to say to me, if I was going, for example, to a football game at our high school, and I was borrowing the car, and I was taking a couple friends uh, to the football game, my dad would say, Bill, When you go to the football game tonight, remember whose boy you are. Isn't that a great statement? My dad, okay, you go to the football game, great. Remember whose boy you are. And I used to say that to Will. Will, uh, when you do whatever tonight, remember whose son you are. Then my son has said that to my grandchildren, which I think is, is just excellent. All right, so to me... Remember whose boy you are has more oomph to it than remember an institution. In other words, remember the school, which we all love and admire and respect and thank God for. Or remember the church, which we all know is critical. We all understand that. But when somebody says, hey, remember whose boy you are, that that to me has more weight to it. Now, I don't mean to be irreverent. And it's not like Jesus is your daddy. That's not what I'm saying. My deal is you remember the Lord Jesus Christ when you get out of here. You're not just a member of this school. You're not just a member of your church. You're not just a member of your family. You are part of the body of Christ. Live like it. You may not be an ambassador, you may be gone, but you're the same person out there that you are here. And if the person here needs to be uh, buffed up a little bit, cleaned up a little bit, then do it. Take care of it. Don't forget the Christ of Calvary. Number three, don't forget to trust. 
Now, that's what this whole passage is about. It's about faith, which is about trust. You know this, I'm sure, but this has been a great help to me. The word faith in the New Testament is the same word as the word believe. So faith is more like the noun form. You have a body of faith. Believe is more like the verb form. If you are faithing, you're believing. All right, so what does believe and faith, what do they mean? They mean trust. You, For example, in salvation, you trusted Christ to do for you what you could not do for yourself. So you put your faith in Christ. That's what the passage is about. Don't forget the people in chapter 11 who witnessed to us about faith, set aside the weight and set aside the specific sin of faithlessness. In other words, live by faith, trust. So the question comes up, all right, how can I go home and not mess up? How can I go on break and not uh, cross up the Lord Jesus? And I don't mean to be irreverent. The deal is trust him to do for you what you can't do for yourself. Look, you can't save you, can you? You didn't save you, did you? When it came to the matter of salvation, you said basically, Lord, I can't save me, but I will trust the Lord Jesus. I believe he died in my place. I believe he paid the penalty for my sin, and I will trust him to do for me what I cannot do for myself. All right, so you say I go home, but you know, there, I, I'm going to be on break, and uh, there, there are temptations that come up, and I've not always been good at uh, fighting these temptations. Well, I know that. We're all sinners, aren't we? So there will be things you shouldn't do that you'll be desirous of doing. There are things you should do that you won't have that much interest in doing. So how do you take care of that? Let me give you an example. The Bible says, love your enemies. The Lord Jesus said that himself. You're supposed to love your enemies. Well, good luck with that. Can you love your enemies? How, how many of you have a driver's license? Okay. You ever had a guy that cuts in front of you before the exit and almost clips your front right fender and you yell out, he can't hear you, of course. It wouldn't make any difference if he could. You say, you idiot. Have you ever done that? You say, Brother Rice, have you ever called another driver an idiot? Yes. <laughs> All right, you say, well, why did you call them idiots? Because they were. <laughs> the guy cut me off. Okay, so now, love your enemy. You can't even love idiots. <laughs> I mean, if somebody cuts you off, it's, you don't say, be you warmed and filled. God bless your brother. <laughs> Amen. Just... Merge right in, slam on the brakes, it's okay. You don't say that. None of that comes naturally. Yeah, but the Lord Jesus said, love your enemies. Well, you can't. So you say, Lord Jesus, I can't love my enemies, but could he love his? Did he say, forgive them, for they know not what they do? Could Jesus forgive and love an enemy? Yes. All right, then you ask him to do for you what you can't do for yourself when you get home. Don't forget faith. Um, Can you forgive people 
I, you know, I don't, I have no idea, but I would assume in a room this size there are people who have been genuinely hurt by others. More often than not, people in your own family. So all of us have been hurt by people, haven't we? You need to forgive people. You know, we are supposed to forgive people just like God forgave us for Christ's sake. In other words, because of what Jesus did for us, the Lord's able to forgive us. And by the way, He forgives without your asking for it. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Is this not true? All right. Now, that's not taking care of it until you ask and until you apply. But His forgiveness is available to you. All right. So, can I forgive people who have wronged me? That's very difficult. Very difficult. I say, you know, they shouldn't have done that. They shouldn't have said that. They shouldn't have been that way. Yeah, I know that. And I'm not really good at forgiving. But you know what? The Lord Jesus Christ is perfect at it. So don't forget faith. Say, Lord Jesus, I want to live by faith. And, you know, I'm coming up on break and I want to enjoy it. And I believe I'll enjoy it most if I please you. But I'm not really very good at pleasing you, Lord Jesus. I'm just, I'm just a person, and I'm just a sinner. But I'm going to trust you to do through me what I cannot do for myself. It really does work that way. See, somebody says, oh, boy, he's a, he's a great... Have you ever heard this? I'm sorry, this always bothers me. The greatest Christian in the New Testament era is the Apostle Paul. You don't know that. Nobody knows that. How can you say he's the greatest Christian? Well, because he said he was the greatest Christian. Well, that's true, he did. He wrote to Timothy and he said, Christ died for sinners of whom I am not one. (laughs) Isn't that what he said? No, no, he said Christ died for sinners of whom I am chief. chief. Yeah, you know, I've often thought about that. You know, he wrote by inspiration, so God told him what to write and he wrote it. And I've often, I don't think it really happened this way, but I've often thought uh, the Lord said to uh, Paul, now Paul write to Timothy and say, Christ died, Christ died, for sinners, for sinners, of whom I am, of whom I am, chief. And Paul may have said, now Lord, uh, I never claimed to be perfect, but I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm the chief of sinners, would you? And the Lord said, well, Paul, I don't know anybody else who held the coats of a bunch of murderers as they murdered one of the finest men in the New Testament, Stephen. And I can imagine Paul saying, well, you know, Lord, you're right. I am the chief of sinners. By the way, it was written by inspiration. He wasn't just being modest. God meant it. Paul said, I am the least among the apostles. The greatest apostle who ever walked on the face of this earth. The apostle Paul. That's not what God says. It says he's the least of the apostles. My, my point being that you can serve God and you can do well if you allow the Lord to do what needs to be done through you. Paul 
was successful not because of his background or his upbringing or his brilliance or his able to communicate. Paul was great because he allowed the Lord to use him. See, you can do that. You can do that. You can leave here and say, Lord, I'm incapable, but you're not, and I'm going to trust you to do for me what I cannot do for myself. Don't forget Calvary when you go home or wherever. Don't forget the person of Calvary. Don't forget the gospel. And trust the Lord to do through and for you what you cannot do for yourself. Father, you've been really good to all of us, and you've been good to us here this semester at Ambassador, and you've helped us to learn much and see much. Help us now to enjoy a break that's being provided to us and help us to live right in it. Help us to remember Calvary and the gospel. I pray that people will be saved these next few days because of faithful students here at Ambassador. Help us never to forget the Lord Jesus who gave himself for us. It's easy to slide away from that simple truth and help us to remember him and help us to see that trusting you is what not only brought salvation, but what will bring victory in our lives. So please help us to trust you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.